Hello, deserving listeners. It's just me today. I thought I would respond to some patron emails. And this one is about how to find a systemic therapist. But before I get into that, let me introduce the podcast. This is the podcast called Psychology in Seattle. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I am a professor and a therapist. If you haven't already, please become a patron of the podcast. If you're one of those holdouts, which according to the statistics, there's thousands of you, uh, please go to patreon.com. That's patreon.com. Become a patron of the podcast. Become one of us. All right. The email is from a patron whom I won't give the name of because I'm guessing they wouldn't want that. I'm a longtime listener and now a patron. I'm looking for a family counselor because we're having some behavior issues with my daughter. I'd like to find someone who has your philosophy, 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 <laughs> philosophy. That's like your own, you know, your own sort of thinking regarding how to urinate. It's my philosophy to always pee against the wind instead of with the wind because I, I like adversity in my life. Getting back to the email. I'd like to find someone who has your philosophy about everything being an interconnected system. So it's not just one person in the family acting out, it's them doing something in response to another person who responds in such and such way, which triggers blah, blah, blah. The question is, what are the key words I should be looking for, both online and when talking to these providers? What do they call it? What do I ask them? Okay, well, for those of you who don't know, let me just explain systemic theory for real quick here. In a nutshell, all therapists lie on a spectrum, if I might be so bold, with purely systemic people on one side and purely individually oriented people on the other side. Systemic people see the world as an interconnected system. Everything is connected. If you change one part of the system, the rest of the system is also affected. When you take wolves out of a forest, the entire ecosystem is affected. The deer are affected. The terrain, the water quality, the foliage. I've always liked that word, foliage. A friend of mine says foliage on accident. Um, and when you have dysfunction in a system, all people are affected. You know, Systems can be ecosystems. They can be systems of people and systems of families. For example, if there is rigid communication and a lack of affection in a family system, then everyone is affected, and each member of the system will exhibit a particular set of symptoms on behalf of the overall system. You know, someone might exhibit depression. Another person might distract the system by becoming the scapegoat. Also, no one person, no, no one person is to blame for the dysfunction. Each person participates in the family dance, whether they know it or not, and they usually don't know about it. It's usually an unconscious process. For example, when an enabling husband enables his wife to drink alcohol, this contributes to the rigidity of the wife's alcoholism. You know, enabling behaviors like making excuses for her, uh, calling work and saying that she has the flu and in fact she's hungover, or uh, protecting the kids from her behavior when she's drunk. This is all enabling the alcoholism. 
And as the star athlete teen girl, the oldest girl who's the star athlete, as she continues to do her job in this family as the family star, the family is able to look to her to feel good about something in the family. Whenever they're down, they'll say, well, at least we have the star who is so good at, you know, baseball, well, not baseball, softball and volleyball and whatever else that she's really good at. Her grades are usually pretty good. And so on. There's all, all each person in the family plays some some role in keeping the family dysfunction alive. And uh, in therapy, you don't just treat one person. Therefore, I mean, if if everyone exists within a system, it's difficult to make a change in someone. So, you know, one person comes into therapy like this. A husband and says, oh, I'm depressed. And then you say, and then you do some assessment and you figure out, oh, okay, well, he's depressed and he's enabling his wife who is drinking. And you have the star athlete who is empty on the inside. And you have this rebellious boy who's 15 and he's getting bad grades and smoking pot. And the so the husband, it comes in with depression. You can't just treat his depression because the system will always remain the same and will drag him back into into depression. And so you need to treat everyone. You need to get the wife in. You've got to get the star of the family in. You've got to get the scapegoat in. And then, and only then, will any one of them change. People on the other end of the spectrum, the individual end of the spectrum, see people as isolated entities. Clients need to be separated from their system in order to treat them effectively. Clients are individual units with individual psychologies. Dysfunction arises from within the person. Maybe their perspective is unhealthy, as in cognitive therapy. Maybe their behaviors are not helping them, as in behavioral therapy. Maybe their biology is off. Maybe they have some internal conflicts, in, as in psychoanalytic th- theory. If someone comes in complaining about depression, you treat that individual and you don't really care about the person's uh, context and their family system. In this way, people at the systemic end of the spectrum tend to be fairly uh, adept at understanding the context of culture because that's a larger system that everyone exists in. Now, no one really exists at the pure end of either end of the spectrum. Most therapists are some kind of a mixture. But anecdotally, this is just anecdotally, I would say about 95% of therapists, social workers, psychologists, counselors are much closer to the individual end of the spectrum than they are to the systemic end. I personally try to be exactly in the middle because I think both perspectives have their merits and their place. And I like to tailor therapy to the particular individual. And so sometimes it's useful to be in the middle. Sometimes it's used to be on the individual end. Sometimes it's used to useful to be on the systemic end, depending on the presenting problem and the demeanor of the, of the clients and the, the constraints on, on the situation. The reason why most people are, in my opinion, and I'm sure there's research, but I'm just too lazy to look it up. The reason why most people are, in my opinion, on the individual end of the spectrum 
is because it's much easier to understand linear causalities. For instance, someone's internal biology isn't doing well, their brain chemistry is off, and therefore they're depressed. So that's a linear causality. You have a biological factor that causes the depression, therefore you have a linear solution, which is you figure out a way to change that biology through exercise, through diet, through a psychotropic. To, to think systemically, it, it, it exponentially increases the factors you have to consider in your mind. So when we take into it, so again, with this husband, maybe his biology is affected by his situation, or maybe depression runs in his family. But now, you, but now if you start thinking about him as a part of a system, you're thinking, okay, well, how does he interconnect with the wife? And how does, how does him and his wife interconnect with the two children? as individuals and as a group? How do the two children interact together? How does the daughter interact with the dad and the mom? How do the extended family members interact with this family? How does culture interact? It, it becomes this crazy web of causalities and circular causalities and reinforcing causalities that become extremely complicated and are impossible to keep hold of in your own brain all at once. And so it's just much easier to say, ah, you know, his, his cognitions are off or his, his uh, biology is off, or we just need to get him on the exercise bike. It's much easier to think that way. Now, again, the individual perspectives are in my mind, very helpful, but most people in my mind are missing 50% of the potential for therapy when they only focus on individuals. Now, this doesn't mean that every client who comes into my office, I drag in all their family members and their extended family members. I, I rarely do that. You, you can actually treat families from just treating one person. You can uh, treat that one person. And you can coach them on how they can, in turn, affect a system and and as their changes become more fixed, they can resist the homeostasis or the, the feedback mechanisms that try to drag people back to, to the status quo. It's kind of complicated, but anyway. So getting to your email, patron, kudos to you for seeking help for your family. You, you have some, some issues, behavior issues with your daughter, and so you're, you're seeking a, a therapist, and you really want someone who is, um, you know, a systemic therapist, someone who understands how everything is a, a interconnected system. And you're wanting to know from me, how do I find this person online? And when I talk to them, what, what do I, what do they call themselves? And what should I ask them? Well, the keywords to look for are family therapist or systems theory or relational therapist or something like that. Most family, couple and family therapists, marriage and family therapists, that's the profession I'm in is marriage and family therapy. And that's the program I teach in is a marriage and family therapy program called the couple and family therapy program. These people are 99.9% .9 of the time trained in systems theory. Now, whether or not 10 years after graduation, they still understand systems theory and still utilize it is really unknown. Now, this isn't to say that non 
marriage and family therapists don't use systems theory because many do, but it's much less likely. But if you're looking at a counselor, a mental health counselor, or a licensed professional counselor, or a social worker, or a psychiatrist, or a psychologist, or a pastoral counselor, <laughs> am I leaving anyone out? I think, do registered nurses provide psychotherapy? I know we have some registered nurses as, as uh, listeners. I know you can provide medications, but I don't know if you actually provide psychotherapy. I'm guessing you at, you have some some minor uh, role sometimes in some CBT, but uh, but let me know. I mean, maybe you're doing full-on therapy. I, I'm curious. I'm sure I could look it up, but again, I'm lazy. So um, these people, you would have to uh, either look on their website for the word systems theory, possibly relational. The word relational uh, would be something you could look for. But really, even if they had that on their website, if I really wanted to make sure that they were systemic, you really just have to interview them. You have to call them on the phone and say, can we talk for about five minutes, 10 minutes on the phone? I I just have a few questions I have to ask you. And then don't warn them in advance and just on the phone, you know, don't email them because it'll give them time to think about it. Just ask them, do you use systems theory? Just flat out ask them how, or how, if they say systems on their website, say, oh, I saw that you use systems on your website. How, how do you use systems or how do you understand systems theory? I'm just curious. Now, therapists hate it when they're put on the spot, <laughs> but uh, I would say that I and many of my colleagues who know how to answer that question, they would be fine with answering that. I, I love answering questions like that on the phone, actually, but uh, some, some therapists get a little uh, sweaty in the armpits, so to speak, when you put them on the spot like that. But they really should be able to answer that question. And to you therapists out there, you should really, if you are a system systems or whatever theory you use, you should be able to provide a very quick off-the-cuff elevator speech regarding your theory of change and your what you believe in terms of how therapy works. I, I for for years I, I always, you know, was trying to have that speech, but sometimes I because I was just getting lazy or I didn't want to further my understanding, I had a hard time answering that question. And I know a lot of clinicians that have a hard time answering that question, or they answer it in such a confusing way that really no one understands it. So you really should be able to put it in words that people would understand. So, so patron, feel free to call people and just ask them that question. You know, do you use systems theory in your practice? And if so, how do you do that? Like I said, a, a good systems therapist, a good family therapist should be able to answer that that question sufficiently. All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining me. By the way, I'm getting a lot of responses to the How to Meet Women episode. A lot of people are emailing. When I made that episode, I was as I was making it, I thought, oh, this is actually a really interesting topic. I mean, that's why I spent so much time on that one 
email from that one patron because I was I was thinking he's just laying it all out there in such a raw way. And he's not just some troll on the internet. He's actually a patron of the podcast and and I understand him to be a good guy. He is just suffering from the socialization of of masculinity, traditional masculinity and and therefore suffering a great deal and then because he's suffering he ends up looking for answers and he looks within his socialized notions and comes up with ideas that further his suffering. So uh, it's just on my brain today because I'm getting all these emails. Someone even emailed to interview me about it. Um, And I don't know what to think about all that because that episode, I haven't listened to it. I actually recorded it a while ago and, and I actually, it got kind of lost in the archives and then I just posted it. I was like, Oh shit, this thing's been sitting there for a while. And so I posted it. So I'm not, I'm always a little nervous about like, you know, what is in that episode? What did I say? I hope, I hope I didn't say anything stupid, which is always pretty much what I always think. Anyone says, Oh, I listen, you know, if I run into someone on the street and they're like, Oh, I listened to that episode on blah, blah, blah. And I just cringe on the inside because I just think, Oh God, I hope I didn't say anything stupid in that episode. (laughs) It's just, you know, it's a reflection of imposter syndrome or self-esteem issues or, well, I, what it, what it probably really is a result of is the amount of negative emails I get. I mean, I, I get a number of good emails, but I don't know. I'd say about once or twice, particularly on YouTube, these people are just assholes. And so I, I just never know what, which one it's going to be. Uh, imagine if every time you walked up to someone on the street, they either uh, patted you on the back or slapped you on the back of the head. Well, every time you walked past someone, you, you'd, you'd flinch a little bit because even though you only get slapped on the back of the head every other time, uh, it's enough of a of a of a recurrence that when you see someone, you're you're going to tense up a little bit. And so, whenever anyone says I listen to an episode, I oh, and frankly, whenever any of you email me, the whenever I read the first couple words, it's I'm I'm tense. I'm like, oh God, which direction is this going to go? So, just a little tip out there, actually. Now that I'm on the topic, if you could include early on in the in the email. If you're positive or negative about something, um, you know, that might actually help. Because sometimes people will write long emails, and I can't tell until the end if they're hostile or not towards me. Um, So take it easy on your podcaster and let me know up front. Plus, if you're super negative in the beginning, I'll I'll just not read your email. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. I, I read all the emails. Uh, as evidenced by me responding to this, this, this patron right here. All right. Well, that does it for this episode. Thanks for joining me out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it.